Thanks to Hannah for reading the scripture for us this morning. And I forgot to say, if you want to know more about Rivka and Pete and Francis, there's a little bit of information in your bulletin and on our website with pictures and everything. Um, So somebody was worried that you might not see that. So I just wanted to commend that to you. Some great information to get to know them more. And I hope you'll welcome them after the service as well. We continue to linger in the good news of Easter the tremendous news of resurrection that ripples out from the empty tomb and promises life to the whole world. That because Christ died, death may die. And because Christ lives, we too may live in him. Last week, we saw some of that ripple of resurrection as Jesus hosted a beach barbecue for his friends, as he restored them to the life that they weren't sure they could live anymore. And as he gave special attention to Peter, who had denied him, that he might be welcomed back into the life that Jesus first called him to. This week, the lectionary offers us this opportunity to continue the journey with Peter and the journey with resurrection as we consider the person of Tabitha. Tabitha, the text tells us, was a disciple. This is important. She is the first woman in the scriptures who is called this. We will often point out that many women followed Jesus, which is true, and we'll say that Mary sat at Jesus' feet in the position of discipleship, which is true, and we'll also say that Mary was the first to encounter the risen Christ and go announce the news to his disciples that this makes her the apostle to the apostles. And all of this is true, but these titles were not given to them by the biblical authors. Tabitha, however, is named as a disciple before her name is even given. The church is growing, and even in a culture where discipleship is offered to men and not to women, it is clear that these distinctions will not be made in the church. Tabitha is a disciple. But that's not where the sentence even concludes. There's more information that apparently we need to know about her right away. And that information is that in Greek, her name is Dorcas. That's maybe strange information for us to receive urgently. And this is, in fact, a translation of the meaning of her Hebrew name into Greek. Both her Hebrew name as well as her Greek name have the meaning of gazelle. Gazelle maybe doesn't inspire us as like a very important name that you have to know the meaning of. So why is it important? Well, we have to remember that this author is writing in Greek to a Greek audience, and he makes a point to translate this name for them so they will know the meaning as well. There's information that is being conveyed here, but it's buried beneath two layers of obfuscation for us as contemporary readers. So what is it about gazelles that are so important to convey? Gazelles in the scripture were clean animals that were used for food and for sacrifice. And they were often used as an image, a metaphor for speed and for beauty. Luke is making an effort in the story to convey the meaning of Tabitha's name. And it's a meaning that's connected with beauty. But then no physical description of Tabitha is offered. If this were Helen of Troy and we heard that she was beautiful, we would next be told that she had the face that launched a thousand ships, right? Her face is beautiful. But Tabitha is connected with beauty and nothing is shared of her appearance because what is beautiful about Tabitha is who she is, which is what is shared next. 
that she was devoted to good works and to acts of charity. She was devoted to good works and to acts of charity. She has an appropriate name, Luke seems to be suggesting. For what greater beauty is there in our world apart from good works? What more lovely sight is there except for works of compassion, mercy, and charity? Surely there is none. And this is who Tabitha is. And no sooner are we coming to appreciate who she is, to understand and appreciate her, the marvelous woman that she was to this community, than we are told at that time she became ill and died. Tabitha was already inhabiting resurrection life, inhabiting the flourishing life of Jesus for her in her living daily. And yet she became ill and died. Death remains the final enemy to be defeated, and grief and loss continue to be tangible and all too real facets of our life together. Tabitha became ill and died, and so have many who we have dearly loved, who were important to us or important to our church. Some in our community this morning are deeply grieved by the loss of women in their lives whose beauty was seen not only in their appearance, but far more importantly in who they were, in good works, in acts of mercy and kindness and charity. Some today know the loss of one who was like Tabitha in their life, a mother, a grandmother, a dear friend, an encouragement in following our Lord. Tabitha, we see, is deeply grieved by her community, as are all who have such positive effects on those around them. As Peter is brought to where Tabitha lies, widows stand beside him, weeping and showing him robes and other clothes that Dorcas had made for them while she was still with them. This is the greatest memorial to Tabitha's life, that she should be grieved for her good work, for the impact that she had on other people's lives who could not build a monument to her. These widows would not be going out and finding a great stone to erect and carve the mighty axe of Tabitha on it. Rather, they would stand and they would weep and they would say, see this robe? She made this for me when my last one was so full of holes and I didn't have money for another. And see these garments? She gave them to me after my husband died, and that's when I knew that I would be cared for. And see with what attention she made these stitches. See with what great love she gave of her time and her talent for me. Surely it is the testimony of these widows that would be the greatest affirmation of Tabitha having followed Jesus. Jesus, the one who came to proclaim good news to the poor, who warned about taking advantage of widows. Jesus, the one who would surely receive Tabitha now, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. To care for widows and orphans was a key expectation of Jewish religious life, as these were seen as the most vulnerable people in society, and that expectation continued on into the church. 
widows could easily be forgotten and left uncared for, but Tabitha did not forget them, even as she knew that her Lord did not forget them. She cared for their needs as a work of discipleship, following Jesus and bringing life to those who were in the grave of poverty, to those in the grave of isolation, that they might know hope because of Jesus and because of those sent in his name. Who are those who are so vulnerable in our society? I think of the street involved and the housing insecure. I think of people who live with disabilities and those who suffer with debilitating physical and mental illnesses. These are vulnerable people at the very best of times, but how much more so in the midst of a pandemic, in the context of corporate price gouging masquerading as inflation, in the context of skyrocketing cost of living and a lack of space and shelters to say nothing of lack of affordable housing available to those who are looking for maybe something more than just a shelter bed. There have been two stories in recent months of women with disabilities in our city not being able to secure housing and feeling they have no choice than to receive a medically assisted death. And you might think that these are the same women, two stories of the same woman. They're not. Weeks apart, One woman is 31 and the other 51. And they both were denied access to housing and they both turned to medical assistance in dying as their only hope. In fact, it's far worse than that. They felt relief that the option of medical assistance in death was available to them. They felt that the enemy, which is death, was more of a caring comfort to them than to continue to struggle for the most basic necessities of life and to be denied day after day. In Canada, we are euthanizing the poor and the disabled at their request because death seems better to them than to suffer in a society that will not care for them, to suffer in a society that implicitly or explicitly says that they are a burden This is a great evil. These are the people who I believe that Tabitha would be serving today. These are the ones who Jesus came to proclaim good news to. Tabitha lived out resurrection life as she made robes and garments for widows, and they knew that she loved them. If you and I are meant to live out resurrection life in our city, if our church is going to be a community that loves those who our society forgets, how are we going to be found doing good works? What works of charity and compassion is Jesus giving to us to do in this time? Thinking of those stories, we might say not many of us are landlords, Not many of us are property developers. Not many of us have ways that we can think of where we can tangibly assist in creating affordable housing. Even as our church is working on property redevelopment and the promise of affordable housing, even this feels a long way away and far too small. But there are two key elections coming up. And many of us have the ability to vote for our MPP, for our city councillor and our mayor. 
Are we going to vote to benefit ourselves? Or are we going to vote to advocate for those who need affordable housing, who need better health care and mental health care, who need opportunities to feel loved and included in our society, and not just that their only way to find relief is to find an end for their lives? And I know I've just said the word vote. And so some of you are already thinking that this is uncomfortably political. But I'm going to remind you that the central claim of the gospel is a political claim. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord and John Tory is not. Jesus is Lord and Doug Ford is not. Jesus is Lord and Justin Trudeau is not. In fact, Jesus is Lord and we are not Lord of our own lives either. But we have been called to give our lives for others. Yes, this is political, because politics are the means by which the poor are oppressed and marginalized. And Jesus comes to bring good news to the poor. Good news to the poor is certainly bad news to any society or system which depends on the oppression of the poor to survive. Caring for the least is a political action all the time. But I want to be clear, this is not partisan. I would never tell you who to vote for. Such wisdom is too lofty for me. I am simply asking, will we be considering the very least as we pray and as we engage in these elections? And after these elections, as we read the news, will we write to our leaders and politicians, no matter who they are, reminding them of their obligations to the least as well? Those stories should have flooded the inboxes of all of our leaders. A great evil happening in our city, in our midst, that should not stand. Will we be active and engaged? Will we care for the least who are around us? Or will we be passive because we feel these problems are too big for us to hold? The problems of our city are too big for us to handle individually. But we should note that Tabitha, she didn't solve the problems with being a widow in Joppa or in the ancient Near East. She didn't undergo a major societal transformation. What did she do? She did what she could. She made robes and other garments, and she loved those who were near to her. And this was received as a great action of kindness and charity. It is through the devoted acts of ones like Tabitha that our risen Lord continues to work resurrection into our world. And it is through the small but faithful actions of people like you and people like me who vote out of concern for the poor, who pay attention to the news of the day and care for the suffering around us. It is through people like us that Jesus still works resurrection life into our city into Toronto today. In our story, Peter is brought to where Tabitha is. And drawing on the examples of the prophets and of Jesus, he sends others away. And he prays and he calls to Tabitha. And she sits up. He helps her to her feet and he brings her back to those who grieve her loss. Tabitha is resuscitated, but not for herself. She herself believed in the resurrection of the dead and would one day be raised with Christ. 
Indeed, having been raised by Peter, she would eventually die again. And having died, she only now waits for the resurrection of all who have fallen asleep in the Lord. No, Tabitha did not need to be raised, but she was raised for the benefit of others, that she might continue to serve those who have known her ministry to them and who have seen in her the compassion and care of Jesus himself. Peter then presents Tabitha to the believers and to the widows. This is also a great tradition. Elijah gave the widow of Zarephath her son, and Jesus gave the widow of Nine her son again. And these widows have, not been, have now been given Tabitha once more by Peter. They did not have a son given to them, but they have the person who cares for them restored to them once more. This is the very work of resurrection, that people and whole communities should be made complete again. People are never raised apart from their family and their communities. Tabitha's life is given once more to the people who she was uniquely called to serve. And in this, we too are reminded that Jesus' resurrection life, working in us, calls us to live not for ourselves, but for others. That there should be people who know our love so deeply that our loss would inspire in them stories like the stories these widows told to Peter. In serving these widows, Tabitha wore the beauty of Christ and his resurrection. In serving the ones to whom Jesus has given us, we are also offered that still same opportunity to put on Christ, to be seen by his beauty that we and those who we serve might know his resurrection life. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to leave some space and time for you to reflect and to pray. And if we could put out that slide, the screen is flickering. I'll look over here. Um, okay, it didn't update. So I'll just give you, we can go blank, and I'll, I'll give you the, um, the prompt. I want to invite you to think and to pray. Pray about how you might be a disciple like Tabitha. What gifts and what resources has God given to you that you might serve and bless other people? We'll leave a couple of minutes for you to think, to reflect, to pray, and carry this question with you through the week. <laughs>